And then once we completely lost everything, we realize we just don't know the essence of what is really important anymore. And God, through His words, He kept, He just bring me closer and closer to the definition of love, of His love. And so, amazingly, miracle starts happening. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Today's guests have each had their worlds rocked with devastating events and found themselves with nowhere to go except to their knees in prayer. Entrepreneur and philanthropist Helena Cho and radio host and author Susie Larson. First up, Helena Cho immigrated to the United States when she was just eight years old. Through hard work and the strong faith of her mother, Helena eventually began building a successful company at age 25. But in the 2008 financial crash, Helena lost everything. In the days that followed, she began to realize that God had a much bigger plan for her life than she could have ever dreamed of herself. My name is Helena Cho. I'm CEO of Good Works Make a Difference. I have an inspirational company that empowers and inspires, and we give 25% back to make a difference in the world. I came to the United States about eight and a half. I am born from four-generation Christian family. I'm Korean. Um, and I came to Monterey, California. I lived in a small town called Marina, and my dad was a pastor, my grandfather's a pastor. Our house was over 100 years old. It wasn't a lot that one day we were gonna build a church. And uh, we lived uh, in this little home, and our house was a humble home. We had molds everywhere in the ceiling. We had to wait, um, you know, until our waters turned white because we had rusted pipes and every all our water was orange. Um, my dad did a small ministry in this little city, and by the third week, we had no money. But it was still a beautiful place. Um, we it was a land of opportunities. And I was still excited to live in America. I felt like this is gonna be a, a land of opportunities and I'm gonna have a new life here. And then in seventh grade, my mom sees a newspaper of this wonderful a girl who's a genius. And she got a full scholarship to a Robert Louis Stevenson um, in Pebble Beach. It was an amazing boarding day student uh, school in uh, Pebble Beach and it was very reputable and still reputable today and my mother said one I want you to go to this school Helena and I I know God's gonna send you to this school and I'm thinking to myself my mom must be crazy my mom seriously she's crazy I'm not a straight-a student I don't have the money what is she thinking and she said you know what Helena God could make this happen. My mom made me study 10 hours a day. She made me do all these math problems, reading comprehensions. Meantime, I'm just rebellious. I hate my mom for having dreams like this. That's impossible. That's, you know, putting me some kind of fantasy that I can go to this boarding school and private school, what have you, when I don't have the ability and I don't have the money. At my best, I'm a C student. I just really wanted to give up and I hated my mom for having such a fantasy dreams. And eighth grade comes, I walk into my room and I see a hundred dollar application on my desk. And to a girl that grew up with not, not knowing that the family doesn't have $10, a hundred dollar application itself was a miracle. That minute I saw that application on my desk, I just literally got on my knees. And I knew that, oh my gosh, do I really 
how in the world, first of all, did she get this application? But in my heart, I thought, you know what? For the first time in my life, I got on my knees and I said, God, maybe with you, I can go to this school. And I prayed and prayed with God every day, just to God help me with this math, help me with this English, help me with this science, help me with this history, just like that. Just a little eighth grader, just praying on her knees to God for the first time. And of course, the miracle is this. I graduated valedictorian and got straight A's and got accepted to Stevenson Scholarship. And that was my first miracle at age 13 and a half, that with God, all things are possible. That's kind of where my life began, you know, in this, um, and this country just been amazing for me from an early age. And so I had this glorious uh, four years in high school and I got a scholarship to USC. I majored in finance and marketing at USC. And then I graduated and um, I got married at 23. 25 and a half, I started a company and um, I got a $50,000 loan from a bank. But I was so bold and I thought, okay, I'm gonna do everything I can to uh, build this company. And so we used to live with a $200, uh, you know, just uh, grocery fees with my husband and I. And whatever that we could, we're gonna give it to a mission fund. So that's how I started. And so by early 30s, I was already a very, very big company. I had close to 870 employees. I was living the American dream. I had buildings, I had houses. Um, you know, I was dining and whining, uh, dining with uh, celebrities. I was invited by all the galas, but arrogance came in so fast. And I didn't even know that I was that arrogant, but arrogance took over. My pride took over. Now I was too busy to study the word of God. In 2008, the market crashed, and the company that I have built, that I've never known failure since 25 and a half, it tumbled, completely bankrupt, lost everything. And you know, it's so, when you're rich and you're, you have everything, everyone loves you. But when you lose everything, you know how that goes. Everyone leaves you. So that's where I was. I lost everything, everyone left me. And I had nowhere to go. I don't have a rich uncle or rich father or rich anybody. So in my desperateness, because I had no one, nowhere to go, I'm just lost and broken and broke. Um, I kneeled to God. I was actually so far away from God's words, I had no idea where to even turn in the Bible. And actually, that's when I actually got a um, got a gift from uh, somebody from church, Jesus Calling. And day by day, it led me to one verse at a time, two verse at a time, three verse at a time. Sometimes it started out with just reading and just reading the you know the words for the day, words for the day. But then I start studying the Bible verses that was given to me. And those words spoke to me, encouraged me, and strengthened me. What I remember Jesus calling, there's many, many days, but I love September 18th. Seek to please me above all else. Let that goal be your focal point as you go through this day. 
Such a mindset will protect you from scattering your energy to the winds. The free will I bestowed on you comes with awesome responsibility. Each day presents you with choice after choice. Many of these de decisions you ignore and thus make make by default. Without a focal point to guide you, you can easily lose your way. That's why it's so important to stay in communication with me, living in thankful awareness of my presence. You inhabit a fallen, disjointed world where things are constantly unraveling around the edges. Only a vibrant relationship with me can keep you from coming unraveled too. And this word speaks to me because each day it reminds me where is my focal point? It is not to please men, it's to please God. No matter where we go, He is with us. And whatever we do, we do it with all our heart for Him, for His glory. And then now I'm losing everything. I've lost my houses, I've lost my buildings, my business, everything is just gone. And my mom, who is just a fearless, just faithful giant, giant um, she said, what is God is God's. Helena, I know what you see with your own naked eyes, with the human eyes, you see a cliff. And that's all you see, because you're going to fall off that cliff. The minute you think that, you know what, I'm just going to fall off, I got to hold on to something, or I'm going to fall off that cliff. I know that's how you feel. But I tell you, when you hold on to God's word and you obey, he will never let you fall off a cliff, never. I couldn't go home. And I had to stop somewhere because I was crying so much. I stopped my car at a, par a parking lot of Bank of America. I parked my car and I'm just crying and crying and crying. So amazingly, probably because my mom was praying, for whatever the reason, I was crying and crying, but I start praying. And I prayed probably, I don't even know how much, I prayed probably about 50 minutes. And I stopped, I just cut off from a 50 minute prayer in my car and I realized something. I was so busy running a company. I was so busy making money. I was so busy with life. I forgot when I prayed 15 minutes. I don't remember. And I'm praying to the Lord, God, I don't know where to turn. You know, I'm not that familiar with the Bible still. And I grabbed a Bible and the Bible was still a little bit dusty. I haven't opened it enough. I said, God, just give me one confirmation that you are with me. And I open the Bible and I open it up and it lands on Psalms 121.1. And it reads, lift your eyes to the mountain. Where does your help come from? It comes from above, creator of heaven and earth. And it just, it was such a confirmation of his words, you know, and just confirmation that he is with me. And you know what's amazing about a confirmation of God's words is that no, nothing changed. You know, I'm still broke. I'm still, nothing changed. My situation did not change, not one bit. But there was something that I felt in the first time in my life, a complete peace. And of course, you all know, just because you have this joy, just because God gives you this amazing joy in your, and joy and peace, and His Word speaking to you, you know, that doesn't mean that everything just gets solved, right? You know that. You know that your finances just doesn't turn around in one day because you hit a lottery. Come on, you know that doesn't happen. Well, it didn't happen for me either. God said, if you're faithful with small things, that he's gonna bless you with more things. So I used to pray like this. God, please, Lord, please, Father, 
Bless me with something little and I know you're gonna multiply that. So when I was a rich girl, I made this um, a bracelet, 36 inch long, like a string looking like thing, but it was nice, it was leather. And it was debossed with all this 21 inspirational words like faith, make a difference, sow love, like that kind of words. And so I made these bracelets, I made 2000 of them. And I gave out 1,400 and I had 600 that I, I just forgot to give out. And so it was packed in a garbage bag in a garage. I'm praying on my knees. Lord, please bless me with small things. And in that moment, I saw the garbage bag in my garage. I'm thinking to myself, this can't be it, God. And so I took that garbage bag back into my prayer room. I got on my knees. I said, God, what do I do with it? You are not serious. I'm not gonna be going door to door. I used to be executive of a big company. I used to run a big company. I'm not gonna go door to door and sell a little dinky thing that I used to give out for free. I mean, how am I gonna make a living with this, you know? And amazingly, this little department store called Buckle popped up. I've never done business with them. I never dealt with the buyers before, but I thought, you know what? I'm gonna be brave and I'm gonna make this call and I'm just gonna try to set up an appointment. So I called the buyer and some amazing, miraculous blessing of God, I connected with a GMM, which is the highest person of all the buyers, right? And so I connected with the GMM and I told her, and I just prayed and God gave me wisdom. And this is what I said. I have a miraculous product, a miraculous bracelet. And you're going to have to see this. So can I see you on a Wednesday or a Thursday? So amazingly, she set up an appointment for me. But because I said it was miraculous, she called in all her 12 buyers. And so here I am with my little bracelet in my pocket. It's a 36 inch long, like a string little leather thing. And I take it out of my bracelet and I say, here it is! And it's little string dangling, 36 inches dangling. They're all thinking, is that shoelace or something? What is that? You know, like this, this is ridiculous, right? And then I boldly state, with your help, we're going to help 10 families to move into our new home by holidays. And this is like in end of June or something like that. And so they're like, we're going to sell that piece, look, you know, string looking thing, and we're going to build 10 homes. Okay. So they all thought this is most so ridiculous, you know, that I'm claiming this kind of thing. And then, but I'm trying so hard. They say, you know what, why don't we do a test order of 10 stores, which is not a full test when they had about 450 stores or so at that time. You need at least 30 stores to be a full test. And then I was just waiting at the airport and they call, somebody called me from the buckle, was GMM. And she said, I changed my mind. I'm gonna give you 50 stores to test, which is a full test. So I go in on Thursday and by Sunday night, it's sold out. By Tuesday morning, I get a full 450 store PO and we become a number one seller. And so amazingly, we become a number one seller at Buckle, and it just becomes a, just, just a dream come true. And then I had a crown princess in Sweden that wore my bracelet. This is all same time frame. And so she's the future queen of Sweden. She wears my bracelet. We become a number one seller in all Scandinavian countries. So this happens in July. And by end of, by beginning of December, we built 10 homes in New Orleans um, for the families that have lost everything through the Hurricane Katrina. And so that was a miracle that happened. 
that's how the whole company birth good works make a difference it came from two bible verses matthew 5 16 let your light shine before others they can see your good works and glorify your father in heaven and proverbs 19 17 be generous to the poor you lend to the lord and he'll reward you for your good deeds and so today I am able to do many things that God gives me opportunities to do. We support seminaries all over the world. I do 150,000 bags of groceries with Dream Center. We work with after-school students, um, supporting them so that they can have amazing after-school programs that they don't have to pay for. This year, we are building a school. We built a kindergarten school, and now we're building it from first grade to eighth grade in Kenya. And they're learning about God every day and about Jesus Christ every day. And um, we're hoping that these children will become the future leaders of Kenya with God's words. And so we have projects like that that we're doing that I'm so grateful for. We all have obstacles and hurdles in our life. We go through financial crisis and we go through health crisis. God multiplied me much bigger than I ever imagined that I could ever do. So with God, all things are possible. To learn how you can help support Good Works Make a Difference, please visit goodworksmakeadifference.com. Stay tuned for our conversation with radio host and author Susie Larson after a brief message about a free offer from Jesus Calling. Are you looking for a way to keep track of your daily prayers along with Jesus Calling? The Jesus Calling Family Prayer Calendar goes right along with your daily readings from Jesus Calling. Each day begins with a guided reflection, followed by a space for you to fill in your prayers of thanksgiving and special requests. You can get your free Jesus Calling Family Prayer Calendar by visiting jesuscalling.com offers. Visit jesuscalling.com offers to download your free family prayer calendar today. next guest is radio host and author Susie Larson. Through her radio show, Live the Promise, and now her new book, Fully Alive, Susie speaks as a survivor of physical traumas to encourage women everywhere that they are loved, they are strong, and through Jesus, they can overcome. I'm Susie Larson, and I'm an author, speaker, and radio host. Everything I do comes out of the passion and the belief that God is who He says He is, and he, His promises are truly true for us. And yet He also says that in this world you will have trials, you will suffer, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, and so my passion is to get with people who are walking through those long valleys of suffering to remind them not to lose hope. So I grew up in a large family, seven kids. It was a large Catholic family. My dad was the mayor of our local city, and um, you know, we had a, a regular big family with a sock basket. Nobody had their own socks. We just grabbed two and went on with the day, you know, stuff like that. Being the fifth of seven, I had great parents, but just, you know, you get a little bit lost in the shuffle at times. And But I had two uh, pretty traumatic experiences when I was about nine and then again, 10, that really, really marked my years after that. Um, about nine years old, uh, some boys in the neighborhood pinned me down and Put their hands all over me. I'm not going to say more than that, but it was a sexual assault. And uh, I was such a insecure, people-pleasing girl that I got up from that place and I it opened a canyon of insecurity in me. I didn't know if I'd done something to cause that. So I didn't tell anybody, but I started to have nightmares, you know, and uh, it, it was, it was uh, 
traumatic as, as you can imagine. And then about 10 years old, I was walking home from school and I, I'm, I'm literally about four and a half feet tall, just a small thing. And, um, I was jumped by a different group of boys and they beat me badly. When I got up from that place when they were sort of done with me and they walked away laughing about what they'd just done, um, I heard a rail in my ear, just these words in my ear, I can get to you anytime and anywhere and God will never stop me. And that's when I knew the devil was real. That thing got embedded into my soul in the deepest places. Whenever something happened that was kind of traumatic, that thing would rise up in me again. I can get to you anytime, anywhere, and God will never stop me. So to be honest with you, that shaped my thinking and and really um, set me up for a major fear battle for a lot of my life. I believe this with everything in me, that enemy sees your potential long before you ever do. And I, I think many people listening today, all they have to do is go back to their childhood and look at the first traumas they experienced. And I feel like there's something in there where the enemy saw something of God in you and wanted to take it out before you knew you had it. And, uh, you know, he fights dirty, but overwhelming victory does belong to us. I got married uh, as a, in my young 20s, and we got pregnant right away. And through the pregnancy, found out um, I had something called endometriosis. And uh, we were going to wait five years to have babies, but we got pregnant. And it was really the grace of God because they said if you were, were to wait five years, you'd have no children because you will need a hysterectomy by the time in your 20s at some point. So they said, you need to have your kids right away. So we had number two and then number three. During my third pregnancy, I was put on bed rest for six months. Um, so I was three months along and one to, I had a one-year-old and three-year-old and I had to go to bed for six months with different people taking care of these two boys of mine. Well, I'd been in bed a few months and the doctor said, hey, you can get up and test the waters now because I was getting depressed and I wanted to feel the sun on my face and I hadn't contracted in a few days. So I met a couple girlfriends from college and we went for a walk. It was a fall day and uh, you know, I was super careful, but by nighttime I was contracting back to bed. I'd go two weeks from that day out, a friend was visiting and she said, hey, can I get you your water? And I said, sure. And I point to where my bottle of water was and pins and needles shot out my arm. And as she continued to talk with me, this numbing, crawling feeling started at the base of my skull and crawled over my head down to my face. And, you know, it started this train wreck of neurological symptoms. While I deliver our son, it took a year to find out that I had Lyme disease. I was bit by the deer tick my one day up um, out with my friends. And again, the lie in my ear, I can get to anytime, anywhere. God will never stop me. And it was a, it was a major battle for me. Uh, and I was very, very sick for those first number of years as a young mom. But I, I was a gymnast, you know, I was an athlete. So I, uh, and the way that I fight back is, you know, my, my one doctor told me to go to some support groups and that's super helpful for some. But because I dealt with so much fear, I thought I can't hear everybody else's symptoms. It'll scare me so bad. So I'm going to get certified as a fitness instructor <laughs> instead. <laughs> I, I was in the fitness industry for about 15 years, and I trained other instructors in different things. Well, once I stepped away from that in 2000, I uh, self-published my first book, and then I started to write articles and got another book or two published. I was in studio doing an interview in one of my books, and live radio, when you're when you're uh, in studio, you'll see all that the host does because she's behind the mic talking to you, but she's cueing the producer, watching emails. There's so many facets to a live show that you do to keep going. Well, in fitness, when you're when you're executing a class, you're doing one move and executing and cueing the next move. There's a lot that goes on to that as well. There's my brain works that way. So I'm watching this host 
cue the producer, check an email while she's talking to me, and my heart starts to do a pitter-patter. You know, I'm a total introvert, too, and I love deeper life conversations. I mean, I would be, if I was had to be at a party, which is torture for me, I would be in the corner with one person asking them deeper questions about their story, going deep with one versus shallow with 20, right? So I just came away from that and said, Lord, I don't know what just happened in me, but if this is from you, grow this desire in me. And every time I was in a studio interview, it did, it grew in me. So then I'm like, Lord, you either have to take this desire away or you got to open the door <laughs> because I feel like I'm made for this. Well, at my local station, this was 13 years ago, I was walking out after an in-studio interview and the host or the producer chased me out and she said, uh, you seem like a natural behind the mic. Would you ever be interested? And I'm like, yes, whatever you're about to ask me, yes. And uh, they asked if I would be their backup, their bench host. And I did that for four years. Every single time I would come in and step in and guest host, my heart would beat so hard for it that I, when I would walk away, I'm like, Lord, either you have to take this desire away from me or you have to give me my own show. I'm, I'm made for the interview. Well, long story short, after four years, they opened the door and said, let's try a show. And I already had the name Live the Promise, but I'm so honored and grateful that God would do that. I don't know if you know this, but three years ago, I suffered a massive health relapse that was so disappointing to me. And so I just could not believe I was going around the mountain again. And this is where the book Fully Alive came out of. But guess what lie? came back up. I was in the bathroom having a massive neurological flare-up. My arms were numb. My face was numb. I couldn't swallow. Bone-crushing headaches, severe dizziness. And I hear the little whisper in my heart. The storms reveal the lies we believe and the truths we need. I'm like, what? I went through Jesus calling over and over again. Then I got Jesus today. And I didn't know it until I got Jesus today. And I think it's in the introduction. I gasped when I read it because I always tell my husband, this woman has suffered. I know she has suffered because I would be crawling through my own valleys, hanging on to some of the things that she's written. So I, I can't even tell you what it means to me. When you're a sufferer, to hear from someone who's suffered is just a great, great gift. One of the strategies when I was begging God to help me get through this last battle, he gave me this three-point kind of strategy. He says, you rest while I work, you feast while I fight, you wait to take flight. This is uh, day number 33 on Jesus Today. This is for somebody today, and, and maybe you need to remember just those three strategies that will help you when you're striving. You rest while he works, you feast while he fights, and then you wait to take flight. Listen to this. I will fight for you. You need only be still. I know how weary you are, my child. You've been struggling just to keep your head above water, and your strength is running low. Now is the time for you to stop striving and let me fight for you. I know this is not easy for you to do. You feel as if you must keep struggling in order to survive, but I am calling you to rest in me. I am working on your behalf. So be still and know that I am God. Quieting your body is somewhat challenging for you, but stilling your mind may often seem downright impossible. In your striving to feel secure, you've relied too heavily on your own thinking. This struggle to be in control has elevated your mind to a position of autonomy. So you need the intervention of the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to control your mind more and more, soothing you from the inside out. Take time to rest in the shadow of the Almighty while I fight for you. Is that perfect or what? <laughs> Lord, what are the lies that I believe? And I hear the enemy rail in my ear from childhood. I can get to you anytime, anywhere. 
and God will never stop me. And the Lord came back so strong. This is a lie. It is not true. He cannot get to you anytime, anywhere. You have no idea what I've prevented in your life. You can't fathom how I've provided in your life. But this thing's been nipping at your heels your whole life. And I really thought this relapse was going to be the one to take me out because I had a core belief that he could really get to me, you know, that, that I would have to endure everything that I feared. And when the Lord just said, we don't outrun lies, we turn around and face them. Yes, it feels like he has you by the throat, but you will have him under your feet. I'm not going to let you lose, but I have to let you fight. That began a D-Day battle for me with fear, with that lie, with so much that was in my soul that was even affecting my health. So this last three-year journey has been miraculous to me because there was stuff in my soul that needed to surface so God could fully restore my soul. And if you don't contend for the the stuff and deal with what's in your soul, it will affect your cells. It'll affect you physiologically. So that's where my passion really is, is to say, we're so connected. We've got to look at this and trust that Jesus wants to lead us to a place of rest and restoration. My book has only been out a few months, but hearing from people who are saying, I did not know what I was in for before I got this book, but to go with God to some of these places um, and, and revisit trauma that was still like infecting their soul and let God heal them. They feel like God is taking up more real estate and the enemy has less now in their soul. But when you can slow down long enough to say, and give yourself some credit, just that hurt and let God speak to you about it. You know, Psalm 51, six says, you desire truth in my inmost being. And in those hidden places, you'll make me know wisdom. Well, when there's not a truth in that inmost being around a memory, there's a lie. You don't have wisdom, you have brokenness, you have reaction, you have triggers. But when truth gets in there, suddenly you have credibility. You can speak from that place. You can minister to others out of your trauma. He wants to get truth to that place. And I'm just hearing stories of people who weren't even expecting to revisit something and at first were afraid to, but the grace of God was just so there for them. And suddenly they can breathe and they feel like they're healing and they're not afraid of that past memory anymore. That I'm just so grateful for that. To learn where you can listen to Susie's radio program, Live the Promise, and find information on her new book, Fully Alive, please visit suzylarson.com. Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we speak with author and speaker, Dr. Jim Burns. Jim is the president of Homeward, the largest provider of parenting seminars in the United States. He's recently written an insightful book called Doing Life with Your Adult Children parents who have adult children are having to kind of relearn how you parent and that their children who are adults and themselves are going through what I call kind of a, a parallel track. And, you know, that parallel track simply means that, you know, it's the first time for the adult child to figure out how to, you know, relate. It's also the first time for the parent. So there were certain, you know, rights and privileges we had, obviously, as a parent. But at the same time, we really had to, you know, kind of relearn that we had a new job description and that our role as a parent had to change. Do you love hearing these stories of faith weekly from people like you whose lives have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling Stories of Faith podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review so that we can reach others with these inspirational stories. And you can also see these interviews on video as part of our original web series, with a new interview premiering every other Sunday on Facebook Live. Find previously broadcast interviews on our YouTube channel, on IGTV, or on JesusCalling.com slash video.